Hello and welcome to React Native Radio. I'm your host, Nader Dabit. Today on our panel, we have Spencer Carley. Hello. And our special guest today is Christian Folk, along with Eric Vicente. Christian, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Eric, hey, thanks Nader. for coming back. <laughs> Great to be here. Thanks. And as you could probably guess, with Eric on the show, we're going to be having some discussions around navigation-related uh, topics in general. But uh, Christian has been working on a pretty interesting library that works with navigation, and that's kind of what we're going to be here kind of talking about. But before we get into the main topic, can you kind of give us an introduction to yourself, uh, Christian? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll try. It's a long story because I'm I'm kind of old. I'm I'm 47 now, so it, it's been a lot of uh, different things that I've done during my professional life. Uh, actually, I started coding when I was 11. I I had a grandfather who thought that computers might be the new thing, so he bought uh, this microcomputer for me and uh, and my cousins and told us that. Uh, he believed that it was a good thing to learn how to code or how to use these machines. So he bought this machine and uh, he told us that we, he, he wouldn't buy any games for us. So if we, if we wanted to play games, we had to learn how to make them ourselves. So I actually sat down and watched all my uh, friends playing games on, on their Commodores and, and other old computers. And I didn't have a single game. So I started to to create games uh, on the old uh, on the on the machine, uh, writing in BASIC. Actually, I'm not very impressed by any of the games that I created, but it uh, taught me how to program. So that was my kind of my way into computers uh, when I was really really young. Wow, that's awesome! So you've you've been around coding since like longer than like 37 years, I guess, or 36 years. That's crazy. So you must be pretty well versed in a lot of different things, I guess, by now, right? Yeah, you can say that I've touched into some uh, quite a few different things. That's that's correct. So I've I've been doing all sorts of things in computers. Um, I've been running my own companies for since I uh, graduated from high school. So my first company was actually a, a small uh, company doing radio commercials. So we thought that this might be the new thing, uh, doing commercials on the radio, and, and the Norwegian authorities, um, authorities just um, allowed radios to, to play commercials. So, so we started and had a blast doing that. Uh, that. But I, I always came back to computers. So when my father got this x86 uh, clone back in the days, I started programming on that as well and went into Visual Basic, uh, and then I went uh, along with uh, Delphi, with Object Pascal. I did some assembly, some C programming, and then I started the company doing um, development environments for the Palm OS. So that was kind of the first uh, mobile device that actually worked for people. I don't know if you remember that, those devices. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a cool little device. So I actually have a box of those uh, Sitting up in the attic, and I'll probably take down someday and see if still if the still works. So, so that was actually a development environment inspired by Visual Studio. So we had a small company; we were, uh, I think, thirteen people, writing the, uh, the tools for the Palm OS, writing visual designers and compilers and all sorts of different strange things. And this tool was actually. Uh, I think in the market for a couple of years, and we became a partner with Palm, uh, the company behind the Palm Pilots, and we eventually uh, closed the company. But the, the visual designer actually lived along with uh, as a bundle with uh, MetroWorks, uh, who was the preferred 
development environment for Palm in, in those days. So that was really interesting to, to create development tools. I mean, developers, we are some of the most demanding people on earth when it comes to tools. And we want it all and we want them to work. So it was a really, really interesting experience to be part of. So what is the company that you actually run now? So Framex, uh, that's the company. Like, What all are you involved with, I guess, right now? With that company yeah so that's basically a very small uh, consultancy company we are two people me and my colleague Bjorn um, we are only doing development in mobile development in react native actually so from time to time we have to do some client work in react js but our main focus is react native and creating mobile apps for clients actually so we're doing all sorts of different things from apps from ground up until delivery and 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 we are also doing projects like uh, helping customers who have certain problems, yeah, implementing push messages or, or some of the more native parts of, of doing uh, app development. Well, I know that you've had some experience with Android Native, uh, Native iOS, Xamarin. Why did you uh, move to React Native and how has that worked so far for your business? So this is actually a quite a good story as well, because I had never touched a Macintosh uh, computer until 2008. So uh, one day when I was traveling, I saw this uh, ad uh, on the train saying that you could take part in a contest and maybe win a, uh, a new uh, MacBook Air. So I decided, okay, I have some free time, let's just try it. And, and then I was the lucky winner. So in 2008, I actually got my first Mac. Uh, and of course, I booted up Xcode and started developing. And, and then I went into the whole Objective-C business with uh, uh, and created games and, and, and did a lot of cool apps, uh, or maybe not cool, but <laughs> different apps for, for iOS. And I've always enjoyed doing mobile development because I, I think the constraints on the platforms leads to some creative and um, interesting solutions instead of doing cloud development where you can spawn new instances of service, servers all the time. You're able to just, you have this, this limited box and everything has to work on this box and it's a single user, it's a single, single, almost a single app running at the time, even though you have some options of doing background tasks uh, now. So then I just, went along and, and into some Android stuff. And then I actually had a client that I worked where we were using C Sharp. So I started doing uh, using MonoTouch, which was uh, um, what later became Samarin. So that was kind of how I got into Samarin. And then we had a client that wanted to use React Native. This was kind of almost two years ago. And we agreed with the client that React Native might be a little too immature at the moment. So we went with a Norwegian company that created a JavaScript and OpenGL framework for doing mobile apps. So, uh, so we, we spent almost a year doing development on that app. And then the, uh, the company who provided the development tools just pulled the plug on us. So, so we had to we had to start all over again, and then we decided this. This was actually last Christmas. We decided, okay, we have to learn something new. So instead of going back to Samarin, which we think maybe has grown in a direction that we don't, it, it's uh, I won't say too much about it, but we do not agree with all the uh, the latest things that has happened with uh, within the Samarin uh, environment. So, so we decided to try out React Native. 
and we really enjoyed it. It was kind of the solution to all the issues that we were having on Samarine. And of course, it solved a lot of stuff on uh, on the project that uh, uh, suddenly didn't have a development environment. So that was kind of why and how we got into React Native. And I mean, all the uh, the things about how props and states just flow through the app using Redux. You have a, one single state instead of a big complex uh, system of uh, integrated modules that know of each other. It was really something we enjoyed and liked a lot. And I think we we came, uh, we started doing, uh, started looking into to React Native uh, during the Christmas vacation. And in the end of January, we were already delivering stuff on, on the platform. So it's well, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. But I mean, of course, we had so much experience from iOS development and from Android development and, and everything. So it wasn't that hard for us and we didn't know how the platforms work. So it was kind of kind of easy. So, but, but, but yeah, it, it was fast, but we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, you sound like you definitely have a distinct advantage over, um, you know, the traditional or I wouldn't say traditional because I, what is traditional really with React Native, but I would say the typical um, company that, that might go into building uh, React Native mobile apps that came from a web background. I think uh, every company that I've done consulting with that has a native background does um, w- like much better in general, like as far as shipping and not having serious issues if they have a native background, because, um, you know, a lot of uh, apps that I've worked with, I would say almost all of them that are actually shipping and going into production end up having um, native uh, code that needs to be changed. That's why you you end up with um, teams that always, whenever I work with a company, I always tell them they need to have at least one native engineer, hopefully like one iOS and even one Android on the team. And that seems to make everything go much smoother. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And that has been the success factor for us, uh, being able to leverage on, on that knowledge. So it has been really good. Yeah. So we're about to get on to the topic, but I had one last question. I know that you mentioned uh, like before we got on that you have a daughter that's in the entertainment industry and you help manage her her business. So I'm kind of curious about that, if you can kind of tell us about that. It has nothing to do with, with React Native. <laughs> no. It, yeah, it's my daughter. She's 22 years now. And a couple of years ago, she was taken on as an actor in a Norwegian, new Norwegian series from the Norwegian broadcaster. And uh, that became an instant success. So she kind of kickstarted her career and has been given so many options and, and possibilities. So someone had um, had to look after her and that someone kind of became me. It's uh, actually a series that is currently airing on Facebook Watch, I think, in, in the U.S. as well, but, but with the uh, U.S. Uh, actors. So uh, probably you haven't seen it, but it's, uh, it's become quite a big thing here in Europe. Pretty cool. So, um, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's get on to the topic. So can you talk about uh, why you created uh, the, the library and exactly like what it does and why someone may would uh, want to try it out? Yeah. So one of the first things that we noticed when we started using React Native was uh, the navigation. So we we spent like every other React navigation developer. You probably have been trying out different uh, navigation libraries, uh, and we landed on the uh, the JavaScript uh, React navigation library that Eric is part of. So, uh, but but um, we we had uh, or I had 
built some libraries for Xamarin back in the days for doing shared transitions when navigating. So uh, when you go from one screen to another, you basically just uh, slide the whole new screen across and, and show it. That's that's basically what happens. So the library that I had created previously had the, the shared element transition uh, working. So you could define elements <laughs> on uh, one uh, screen that should be moved over to uh, become an element in the next screen. So uh, kind of uh, creating a more dynamic uh, user interface where you could focus on elements that you brought from one screen to another screen. So, And that was kind of missing in the uh, React Native world. So I thought, okay, let's see if this is possible. Uh, and I like challenges. So I, and since I, I, I was new to React Native, I had some, I, I really wanted to dive deep into the internals of, of uh, React Native and see what I could do. So that's actually why I created this library to be able to do transitions while navigating. And it has become much more than just doing shared element transitions. It's basically all types of transitions when navigating. So say if you have a list of elements, those elements can be slided in as you enter the first screen, and then they can be transposed into the next screen, into images, etc. And it has and my main goal was to create a very simple API. So that you could just write your screens just the way you write them, uh, usually write them, and then you could wrap the elements you want to transition, uh, either as shared element transitions or, or regular transitions, and wrap them in, in tags, and everything would just work. And one of the other goals that I set was to be able to create transitions that used both native and non-native animations. But as because as you might know, React Native has a really good animation system, but not everything is possible uh, uh, using the native drivers, which is running every uh, running the animation on the native side of uh, of the app. So some of them has to be run as part of the uh, JavaScript thread and some is run on the native thread. So that was one of the goals to be able to, uh, to make, create transitions using both. And I think, I don't really know why it happened, but uh, I think I mentioned this to Eric and Brent maybe, mm -hmm. and they uh, tested it out and saw it and liked it, and, and suddenly it was all over. So actually, I don't know how many stars we have now, but it's around 1,200 or so on, on GitHub. And I'm trying to maintain this library and, and handle all the uh, issues that comes in and, and see if I can kind of provide a, a good experience for people using the library. Because it's my goal is for people to just uh, npm install the library and wrap something in, in with uh, wrap their user interface in some special tags and, and off they go. So that's that's the goal. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty exciting development because. You know, one of the things with React Navigation from the beginning is that on the core team, we didn't really expect it to be us to be able to develop every sort of navigation view and every sort of presentation style that people might imagine in their apps. And that's what we see with, when you have things like React Navigation stack and uh, tabs inside of core. So I'm, I'm very excited. To, I was very excited to stumble upon uh, Fluid Transitions and, uh, and see someone really running with this concept and, and making a custom navigation experience for for other people. And the sort of high-level API of Fluid Transitions is just really uh, elegant, where, yeah, as you say, Christian, you can just kind of start wrapping a couple uh, different components with these transition tags that mark different components on your screen as needing to transition in in one way or the other. And that kind of allows you to have a totally declarative screen with your in, inside of your uh, app. Whereas 
if you have to configure something on React Navigation's stack header, you're not rendering the header yourself. So it's a little bit more constrained. You have to use the navigation options to configure the header. And it's not quite as elegant as the uh, Fluid Transitions API, where you just render the whole screen. So we, we are thinking about ways that we can actually take this approach that Fluid Transitions has and maybe build on top of Fluid Transitions to implement a new stack that allows people in their apps to just render the header. And we can still support all of that crazy magic that goes on in the header where, where we basically have a shared element transition for the text as it animates from being the title of the current screen to the, the back button of the next screen. And so it's, uh, it's been very exciting to, to watch this develop. And I'm, I'm glad that we're, uh, we're working further on this together. Yeah, me too. Because it has been really interesting to be uh, able to discuss directly with you and see and, and get some cool answers and suggestions to some of the problems that I've run into during the development uh, of this library. Yeah, ho hopefully that's a good lesson that if, if anyone listening to this podcast uh, wants to sort of engage further and just start building tools for other people in their apps, you know, you should just go for it and publish it to GitHub, send it around to, you know, to Brent and me and, uh, you know, uh, we're we're very likely to promote it because we want to get an ecosystem going where everyone's able to build navigation tools for each other on top of this framework, rather than us attempting to build everything <laughs> for the whole world. Uh, I was just curious, like, what has actually gone into building this library? Like, are you just basing it on the React Navigation API, so it's kind of interchangeable, or were you actually able to like build on top of a a stack navigator? Uh, like a tab navigator, any of those? The, the fluid transition is the basic building block is actually just another stack view, which is not as it's uh, rendering from a stack router. So I'm basically using the APIs that it is and just plugging in another uh, view to, to render the screens. Okay. Just as, as the stack view. Very cool. Yeah, it was just something because like I, I wanted to get more involved in React navigation in the past. And like it's just cool seeing how like like Eric was saying, like how you can just take these building blocks that have been built and just start building on top of it um, and actually like using those underlying principles and components that are there to uh, build awesome stuff like tr fluid transitions. So like looking at the uh, documentation and stuff and the examples, um, it looks like a combination of um, this is like a navigation library, but almost like an animation library as well. Like when would you use regular like the animated api versus something like this uh like like what would be the best use case for this library i guess you would say we, we have actually used it in some of our production apps so basically what we do is that we create screens and instead of using a stack navigator we use the fluid navigator basically that's it and, and then we start decorating and declaring transitions so that screens uh have have um, different elements on on each screen uh have their own uh, appear transitions, so they come flying in or appear like fade in or, or something like that. And then we declare uh, shared element transitions between related elements between screens. So it's basically something we just plug in and start to use whenever we're kind of fleshed out the, the initial uh, structure of each screen. Okay, cool. And then like when you transition away from a screen, you can also declare those as well, or does it just do the opposite of the incoming transition? 
Now you can actually declare both uh, appearing and disappearing transitions, and you can also write your own. So you can provide functions uh, declaring or implementing your own transitions. So I've done stuff like creating Bezier curves, where things are actually swirling around and, and stuff. So it's uh, it's kind of extensible as well, uh, just as the, the, the React Navigation platform is extensible, and, and we built this on top of it. This is also kind of extensible, and that's also the goal, so that you shouldn't stop uh, anywhere. You should be able to just continue to develop. And if you have an idea, you, you're, you're, you should be able to extend uh, the uh, transitions that are provided by the library. So one of the cool examples that I'm seeing on the documentation is the page for, it looks like a shopping cart page for like a shoe. And then like the shoe comes um, transitioning in with a bunch of cool transitions. Then you click. So you go from like the main uh, list view to the item view, and then you click on an item and then that takes you to like a, a more detailed item view. That's that's really interesting. Like, how much work would it take to actually do some cool stuff with with this library? Like, how much extra code do people need to like be writing, and how much do they have to understand like how animations work in general? I guess you would say. Yeah, I, I don't know if they need to know too much about animations because that's completely hidden by the by the library itself. Um, so what you usually do is that you create each screen individually and make sure that they look and feel uh, right and that they scale across different screen sizes. Uh, and then you decide uh, which elements should be part of the shared element transitions. I mean, the elements that should be going from one screen transitioning into the next screen. Uh, and that's basically just wrapping them and setting an, a, a common ID on the elements. Uh, and then you could decide how each element should appear on screen. Should they slide in from the left or from the right? Should they fade in? Should they scale in? Uh, and, and you can also, as I said, decide whether or not they should have different uh, dis uh, transitions to when they disappear from the screen. And this is basically just by wrapping uh, elements or, or the existing views in, in special transition tags uh, describing those transitions. So it shouldn't be that hard, but you know, as the developer of a library, I'm of course I'm not sure if everybody really understand what goes what's going on and, and how to solve this but I, I think from looking at the issues that I get from on, on github it's it looked like looks like people usually get the ID behind the library I don't have too many questions about uh, people trying to do stuff that it's the library is not meant to do and that I think that's could be uh, could be a good uh, yeah it could be could be good for me so I see that this library is uh, just a JavaScript only. So if someone installs it, they um, can just install it without having to link it. And uh, knowing that you came, again, from like Xamarin and then Native and you've done all this other stuff, like is JavaScript something that you've worked with over the years or is this uh, something that's kind of like new to, your, to you and your company? Actually, it's quite new. So, so I've I've done JavaScript uh, uh, doing HTML and, and web apps back in the days, but that that was with jQuery and, and even without jQuery, I I actually the first web application I wrote, we had to write our own CGI engine. So, you got the network request in, and we handled the request, and we parsed everything and did everything manually in the app. So, uh, I've been kind of uh, toying with JavaScript uh, for for. A for a lot of time, but but it has only been the last couple of years that we've actually been using JavaScript for anything uh, in production. Uh, and React Native was something we started doing, uh, as I told you, 
under a year ago. So it's uh, JavaScript is kind of new to us, but I mean, the language is so similar to other languages that we've been using, like C Sharp and, and C and stuff like that. So it's it's not that hard for us to use JavaScript today. Yeah, since you have come from some of these other languages, do you use TypeScript or you just uh, use JavaScript for now, or does it depend on the project? No, we, we have tried out TypeScript in some of the projects that we've been through, but uh, actually we, we have been so much more successful doing using Flow. I think that the TypeScript has given us a few issues in every project, uh, especially when we upgrade from one uh, React Native version to another, while Flow is just kind of working in the background. And if you if you declare and know your types, it's kind of working good enough for us to be, uh, to be usable. Coming from like, you know, working with Xamarin and all these different technologies, are there pros or cons that you've found working within React Native or working within, you know, large JavaScript projects in general? Or like anything you kind of miss from those other platforms uh, when coming to React Native? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually not. It's um, from time to time we have to go back and open up Xamarin Studio and and, and do some maintenance on, on some of the older projects. And I really do not miss the build and compile bit of doing development. I, I must say that... Uh, Hitting refresh and seeing, or even using hot, um, hot reloading in uh, when you develop is such a relief. Uh, and, and combined with tools like Flow, which we are using, I think that type safety is is good enough for us to be to be to be able to trust our applications. We also use uh, unit testings uh, when we write code. So it's um, even though Fluid uh, transitions the library doesn't have too many unit tests, we usually build quite large sets of unit tests to be able to uh, regression test our app in a good way. So no, I don't miss anything at all. And I also think that the JavaScript community with NPM and packages and everything is such a good environment to be part of. And uh, I also think that the architecture of uh, the apps written with the React Native is so much better than what we were used to in, example, uh, Xamarin, uh, where, where you didn't have any architecture. You had to write the architecture from bottom off by yourself and often ended up with uh, code that wasn't that easy to maintain. Yeah, we don't have a lot of people that come on the show that were doing uh, Xamarin and then to React Native. A lot of times we do have native developers. Uh, we did have someone on the Xamarin team on here maybe a year, year and a half ago. So it is kind of interesting to hear the, the differences there. So that's pretty cool to see that you kind of like React Native that much uh, more. What about Flutter? Have you looked at Flutter any? Have you considered it? No, actually, we, we have just viewed a few videos and, and looked at a few examples. And and at the moment, I'm not experiencing, our experience is that the environment and, and support from, from a big community that, uh, that React Native provides is uh, too small in the Flutter world to be able to really consider it as uh, something we can use at the moment. Yeah, I kind of agree. React Native at this point uh, is like, almost four years old and it's pretty it's pretty robust and yeah you can get pretty much any question that you'd like answered somewhere it seems like these days so yeah the exciting thing that i that i see uh you know especially when we're talking about flutter is that uh is that react native has just changed so much in its four years one example is our how how everyone in very short order is starting to depend on react native gesture handler and now reanimated which were kind of the missing pieces when it came to delivering 60 frames per second gesture interactions 
on React Native. And uh, so and I'm I'm excited to have sort of gotten in that in the past couple of months working on the new transitioner for for React Navigation. And and I hear Christian, you've been toying with reanimated as well and having a pretty good experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. I, I've I've tried out reanimated, and this is kind of the the answer to all my <laughs> all my questions. It's uh, yeah. it's such a great uh, library. It's basically uh, a really flexible uh, an animation library that runs everything in native, and everything is declared in JavaScript. So you build up these big trees of uh, uh, expressions, and they will be evaluated by by the runtime. On the native thread, and they run fast as uh, you haven't seen anything before. And you can, I think, you can animate almost everything. Isn't that correct, Eric? Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a programming language that you kind of uh, control from JavaScript, and you just kind of compose a bunch of functions, kind of like animated.add, but uh, you know, which we've probably used in the animated library for a while. But it it has all the sort of primitives that you might need. To have like a fully Turing complete language where everything is running on the on the UI thread, um, you know, it has basically the equivalent of an if statement and uh, the ability to call something, call back into JavaScript using the sort of call primitive. Um, so it's extremely open ended, and yeah, I think that you could use it to create basically any gesture that you could dream up, any animation that you dream up, and potentially there could be other use cases where you might want to. Um, have arbitrary logic on the UI thread that that might not even be animation related. Yeah, that's correct. You could use it for something completely different. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> so so one of the big issues that I had uh, writing fluid translations was that I wanted, as I told you previously, wanted to be able to animate stuff like borders and shadows and background colors and even fonts, font sizes and stuff. And they mm -hmm. are currently available on in animated uh, the animated part of React Native. So I had to spend a lot of time writing some wrapper code that actually were able to wrap uh, components inside a nested structure where some of part of the structure did the, did the native animation and another part did the uh, uh, JavaScript part of the animation. So that way I was actually able to combine native and non-native animations. But of course, that's, that's kind of a hack. It's not a good solution. And when we tried to do uh, especially font size animations using this te technique, uh, we weren't able to, to get the speed and, and the looks and the smoothness that we thought we should. So reanimate this certainly giving us all the possibilities that we need. So uh, it's been so much fun diving into the reanimated library. And it also has support for the old syntax from animated in React Native. So you're able to kind of just change and import and then uh, off you go, basically. That's cool. Well, I haven't tried it out yet, but the fact that you can just drop it in and continue uh, working with your existing code sounds pretty promising. <laughs> or it sounds like something that I could just try out next time I'm, instead of just using the regular animated library. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go. So my, my hope is that the reanimated will be part of the uh, React Native course so that we will be able to just uh, start using it uh, without having to link and set it up uh, like we have to do today. But I, I don't know, Eric, if you know anything about the plans for uh, for the future of reanimated. Yeah, I think they're on the React Native core side of things. Everyone's kind of planning on waiting for the dust to settle on the Fiber project, um, or sorry, on the Fabric project. And because that's a sort of massive undertaking where they're they're basically rebuilding React Native core so that you can synchronously call into JavaScript. 
So I think on the other side of that, things might look a little bit different. But for the meantime, I've found that reanimated is is quite stable and they're very responsive to issues that you file if you can find a very specific bug. And the, the great news is if you use Expo, and I know a lot of people do, then it, you'll be able to use it just out of the box. In fact, it's already inside of the latest versions of Expo um, and it's going to continue to be updated there. Yeah, I know. And that's that's really good that that is part of Expo. So I know that a lot of people use Expo for development. I don't actually. I usually just start off by the command line, uh, starting stuff from the Xcode and, and, and run it to be able to debug stuff and, and, and things. But I've tried out Expo and it works great. It's It's a really good tool. Definitely. You know, we've we've talked a little bit about navigation because uh, we're talking about this library in general. But um, Eric, I know that you all are working on React navigation in general, and then there may be like a new version coming out. Do you want to touch on that at all? Yeah, definitely. I'm quite excited because we're getting very close to being able to release React Navigation v3. And it's a change I've been looking forward to for a while. And it's not a very dramatic API change. It should be very easy for everybody to move over to this new version just with a couple of different uh, renamings and and sort of one additional function call. But the reason I'm excited about it is because it finally takes uh, this one repository that we've been working in and splits it up into several different projects. So now you're going to be able to consume React Navigation Core independently from Stack or Tabs. Um, and you're going to be able to, you know, you know you, you've always been able to contribute your own navigators, but by breaking them up into different pieces, we're hoping to encourage people to to really start contributing their own navigators that are built on top of React Navigation Core. But the React Navigation package as we know it today is going to continue to exist. Um, it's just going to literally pull in uh, just this smorgasbord of different components, um, including stack and tabs, and uh, we might get drawer back in there as well. But you're going to import core. You know, under the scenes, it, it imports core and it imports native. Both of those are in the React Navigation uh, NPM org. And native binds React Navigation core to uh, sort of all the React Native things. So it provides you the app container that really manages your navigation state. And the exciting thing there is we're finally going to pave the way for people to consume React Navigation on the web with kind of a clean dependency tree because they're going to be able to import React Navigation web, which is going to have utilities for rendering on the server and rendering on the client. And in addition to React Navigation Core, so I'm hoping that uh, now that we have the modules split up in this way, that we'll, we'll see more of an explosion in the ecosystem for building custom navigators on top of you know React Navigation on the, on native, of course, um, like like fluid transitions, but also on the web. And you know maybe one day we'll start to see libraries emerge that work both on web and native as well. A little little story here because um, I, I once tried out the, the library called React Native Web, which is uh, the web binding. I don't rem remember his name, but built by the guy who created the Twitter Lite clients, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so we just tried out to see if it was possible to run a React navigation with fluid transitions uh, using React Native Web, and it all worked just out of the box. So I mean, it's uh, it's really cool, and we had uh, had great fun when doing that. I'm not sure if it works, if it still works, but it it did in the in the early releases. So, and that's of course something if 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 you create a library like uh, like fluid transitions using reanimated library to do native animations. Yeah, we have to think about the uh, the web part. It's probably not going to be usable on the web with the new React Navigation Web, Eric. 
Right. That's uh, that is true. I've been I've been hoping that someone would implement a JavaScript implementation uh, on the web for uh, reanimated. That um, and if you if you consider things like React Native DOM, where you're actually running your JavaScript code in two different threads, there's a quote unquote main thread, which is your normal JavaScript thread, and then your application code is actually running in a web worker. So React Native DOM has a similar thread architecture to React Native. Um, and if you had a JavaScript implementation of reanimated, you could A, use it directly on React Native Web, but then inside of React Native DOM, you could actually take that implementation and put it on the, the main thread side of things. So you could still get quite smooth gestures and animations on the web using React Native DOM's uh, architecture, um, in addition to having compatibility with React Native Web itself. And you would also need to do the same thing with React Native Gesture Handler. So, and that's, I think, a little bit bigger of a project than implementing reanimated on the web, you know, in pure JavaScript. But I'm optimistic that someone will do this someday soon. And um, if I hear about this happening and you get in touch with me, I'll let you know about other people that are working on this. So hopefully we can <laughs> start to get some, start to, start to get the ball rolling on that project. Sounds good. Okay, cool. So uh, we're kind of getting close on time. Is there anything that anyone wanted to touch on before we start wrapping it up? I think we've talked about the important stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, let's go ahead and get to the picks then, I guess. Spencer, do you have any picks today? Yeah, my picks are kind of two tools that I've just been using a lot lately, which I think I've talked about or have definitely been mentioned on here before. But one is uh, Formic for building and managing forms. It's just for all the things I've tried, it's the best solution out there. Um, and then also uh, Expo, particularly just deploying an app with Expo. Um, I did it earlier this week, and every time I use it, it's just it's just so easy to do. Like if you're just getting started with React Native, you just want to start playing with it, um, and like deploying intimidates you, which I know it intimidates a lot of people. Expo just makes it so so easy to do that and to actually publish an app uh, to the app stores. All right, uh, Eric, do you have any picks? Sure. Yeah, those are great picks, Spencer. I mean, Formic and Expo, uh, I also highly recommend. And as for, for my pick, I've been looking recently into actually RxJS. Um, and I know, uh, you know, this whole reactive thing, it's it's almost like a community clash, you know, not just a namespace clash with the React community, but almost a, you know, Rx kind of comes from the Angular people. So I know, you know, it, it hasn't seemed like these two things are getting along very well from the community perspective, but on a technical perspective, I think they do play really nicely to each other. Um, you can use something called with observables to to basically make it so that your React components are are able to automatically re-render themselves if they're given an observable in their props. And I think this is a pretty powerful model for for building large uh, React applications. And I'm personally exploring that further in uh, some of the abstractions that I'm working on. So uh, I just want to throw a shout out to RxJS and say that I, I do think it's a pretty great companion for uh, React apps. Christian, do you have any picks today? Yeah, I do. I have actually talked about one of the picks already. It's it's the reanimated library. It's something that I've had so much fun with the, the last few weeks. Uh, and it's, it's totally awesome. And I, I'm completely blown away by it. it's, uh, all the possibilities and, and, uh, and how well-formed the libraries and how good all the primitives are, just like Eric talk, talked about. So that's that's my pick. That's my first pick. And I, I was uh, did, did we were, were we supposed to have two picks? Uh, you can have as many as you'd like, really. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> so the second one was actually since since I used to play a guitar in a band, and since I'm kind of an old fan of a band called Ed Zeppelin, I've been completely uh, hooked on, on a new band called Greta Van Fleet uh, the last few weeks, which uh, my son presented to me. So that's my second pick, that band. Mm, cool. <laughs> Definitely um, plus one on uh, Formic and also the uh, uh, reanimated. And if you'd like to learn more about reanimated um, episode 108, we had Chris Soff, I think his name is pronounced. He was on the show talking about a bunch of different things he's working on. Uh, one of those being reanimated. Um, and I had the opportunity to meet Jared Palmer that uh, runs the Formic project or that created that last week. And he's a really, really interesting guy. I would follow him on Twitter. I'd follow both of those guys on Twitter um, they're pretty cool people to kind of keep up with. Um, so my pick is uh, actually uh, a bunch of videos that I'm creating on Egghead. So like my pick is just Egghead, um, either as a content creator or um, if you're looking to learn something. I really, really uh, like their style of, uh, of fast and easy learning. Um, it's basically just a condensed version of what I've seen elsewhere. So you can kind of just get a quick um, one to five minute bite of whatever you'd like to learn and it's really good for people that have a lot of stuff going on in their lives you may have just uh, small pieces of time here and there it's kind of a good way to consume content i have a few videos coming out on um, on aws amplify uh, on uh, aws AppSync. i have some videos coming out on react native and i even have a few videos coming out on flutter so um, if you're interested in learning any of that stuff uh, check it out some of them are free some of them are not free Okay, uh, I think that wraps it up then. Um, Christian and Eric, thank you guys for coming on today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been great. Until next time. Until next time, for sure. There will be a next time. Um, that wraps up uh, this episode of React Native Radio, and we'll see everyone next week.